0: in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us. So be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of John, chapter 3. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney.
1: Look at verse 1. If you're looking at verse 1, I want you to say amen. There was a man of the Pharisees, and what was his name, saints? Nicodemus. He was a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night. Nick at night. Write that in your margins. It's as profound. Nick at night. He came to Jesus by night, and he said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. And Jesus answered and said to him, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water And what? The spirit. He cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel, Jesus said, that I said to you, you must be what, saints? Born again. The wind blows where it wants to, and you hear the sound of it, Jesus said, but you can't tell where it's coming from or where it's going. And so is everyone who was born of the spirit. And Nicodemus answered and said to him, I'm still not getting it. How can these things be? And Jesus answered and said to him, Are you the teacher of Israel, and you do not know these things? Most assuredly, I say to you, we speak what we know and testify of what we've seen, and and you do not receive our witness. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended to heaven, but he who came down from heaven, that is the Son of Man who is in heaven, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the son of man be lifted up that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life for God. In verse 16, saints, everybody, somebody, come on, read it with me. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Saints, stop right there. Give me your attention. John 3.16 has been called the greatest verse in the Bible. Uh, Martin Luther called it the heart of the Bible, the gospel in miniature. John MacArthur said it was the most familiar, beloved verse in all of Scripture. One man wrote, this text contains, I love this, this text contains an ocean of thought and a drop of language. In the 19th century, Charles Spurgeon would preach on this text once a year as a reminder that when individuals were converted because of this verse, it wasn't because of anything new or clever, he said, but because it was the power of God. Someone once said, John 3:16 is a love letter from God written in blood addressed to all. I love that. A love letter written from God addressed to all. It's been said that if Satan could blot out uh, a verse, any verse in the Bible, it would be this one. If hell was to tremble, it would be at this verse. If there is any one verse that lights a path to God, it's John 3.16. This verse is known by more people than any other verse in the Bible. John 3.16 communicates the Father's heart, write this down, communicates the Father's heart, the Father's plan, and the Father's will. John 3.16 communicates the Father's heart, the Father's plan, and the Father's will. If you've been with us in John 3, you know, Nicodemus was a respected religious leader who came to Jesus at night. And Nick was sincere, you know, and he was genuine and really seeking God. And he came to Jesus and he said, we know you're from God because no one can do what you do unless they are from God. And did you notice this? Jesus didn't respond to that. Jesus says, Nick, you must be born again. You must experience a new life. You must experience new life, new birth, regeneration, all the same. Jesus said, Nick, you've been born of water. You must be born of water and you have to be born of the spirit. Well, if you've been with us, you also know that Nicodemus is confused. And having a hard time understanding, look at verse 7 in chapter 3. Jesus said, do not marvel that I said unto you, you must be born again. Nick is still not getting it. So Jesus goes at it another way. Are you listening? Jesus tries to explain in Nicodemus the transforming power of the Holy Spirit using wind. Jesus says you can't see the wind, but you can see its effect. The same is true of the person who is born again. You can't see the regeneration process but you can see the effect which brings us to verse 16. Now listen, look at me. Of all the 31,373 verses in the Bible, John 3:16 is the most popular single verse in the Bible. Just with a show of hands, how many of you have ever other than right now read John 3:16? Show of hands. I mean, okay, that's good. That's pretty much everybody. Show of hands, how many of you have memorized John 3.16? That's pretty much everybody. It's a popular verse and a well-known verse because John 3.16 is, write this down, the full summary of the gospel. John 3.16 is the full summary of the gospel. And don't get me wrong. Everything in the Bible is important, but everything important is not mentioned in this verse. For example, The glory of God, election, calling, regeneration, justification, sanctification, atonement, the death of Jesus, etc. Not everything is mentioned here, but what is basic and what is precious and what is powerful and what is straightforward is mentioned here. As a matter of fact, not many verses are more straightforward than John 3.16. I'm going to give you, you got your pen? Here's where I want you to write down some things. I'm going to give you the four D's or what I call four D's of John 3.16 that uh, we're going to talk about in the remainder of our time together. Four D's that I see in John 3.16. Number one, the design of John 3.16 is love. The design of John 3.16 is love. Secondly, the duty of John 3.16 is faith. Thirdly, the danger of John 3.16 is perishing. And finally, the destiny of John 3.16 is eternal life. The design, love. The duty, faith. Danger, perishing. The destiny, eternal life. I've titled this sermon The Wonder of John 3.16. Saints, I want to read it again. John 3:16 just verse 16 and I want y'all to read it with me all right John 3:16 look at verse 16 and let's read it together For God so loved the world let's everybody read it together For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life so the 4 D's of John 3:16 the design the duty the danger the destiny we could spend a week on each one of these and barely scratched the surface. But these four things are 10,000 times 10,000s 10, of thousands of thousands more important than anything you'll ever hear or anything you'll ever know. In verse 16, look at it. It begins with, for God. Are you looking at that? For God. The first thing that Jesus teaches, and he wants us to know, is that there. Is a God. Did you hear me? The first thing that God wants us to know is that there is a God. That God exists. When you study the life of the ministry of Jesus, you can see that Jesus was saturated with a God consciousness. Everything Jesus says relates to God. Everything Jesus does relates to God. Are you listening? Jesus is a God-entranced human being. In other words, Jesus is all about God. So the verse begins, for God. This verse begins very specific in the Greek text. There is an article with the word God. In the Greek text, it doesn't just say theos. It says ho, or you might pronounce it o-theos. There's an article there. The word o makes it, in Greek, makes it a definite. It's not just a God, but the God. The Bible isn't just talking about any God, but one very specific God. Somebody say a better amen than that. It's talking about the God, the God of the Bible, the Father of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, the God of Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The God who told Abraham that he would bless all nations through him. The God who said to Moses, I am that. Anybody know? I am. The God who had the Israelites put the blood on a doorpost and a lintel that the firstborn might be saved. The God who said of Jesus, this is my beloved son. Listen to him. The God who demonstrated Jesus was his only son by raising him from the dead. All Theos. The God, not just any God, but the God, the one, the only, the true God, the Most High God. Somebody clap your hands and say Amen. Will you do that? Oh Theos, the God. So the first thing we learn from John three sixteen is that there, listen, look at me. There is God. Amen. Say it with me there is God. Say it with me. There is God. The world began with God. The world depends on God. We're created in the image and the likeness of God. God made us like him and for him and the meaning of life is knowing and showing that there is God and this God so loved. Point number one, the design of John three sixteen is love for God. So loved. God could have had a number of different responses to the world. He could have responded to us in anger. He could have responded with instant judgment, which we deserve. But he didn't. He responded with love. We see this all over the Bible. Check with me quickly. Ephesians 2, write it down. But God, being rich in mercy because of his great love, which he had for us, Ephesians 5, 2 as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us. Titus three four. But when the kindness of God our Savior and His love for mankind appeared, He saved us. Jesus loved people. Can somebody say amen? amen. Matthew fourteen fourteen, when Jesus saw a large crowd and he felt compassion for them. Mark ten twenty one. Jesus met the rich young ruler and looking at him, Jesus felt a love for him. I don't know if you seen, I, was, I don't know where I was or what state I was in. And you ever see that, that billboard sign and it says, it's, it's a billboard and it's written from God's perspective. And it says, uh, don't, don't make me come down there. You ever see, anybody seen that billboard? Raise your hands. Okay, five people. Okay, six. All right. Don't make me come down there. Listen, that's a wrong image of God. God is not angry. Somebody say amen. You better be glad about that. He wasn't angry when he came the first time. And he's not angry now. Now, he might be a little ticked when he comes back. It's a little ticked when he comes back. But but he wasn't angry. He came in love. Look at verse 17, chapter 3. For God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be what saints saved. He responded to us with love. Memory verse, first John, four, seven and eight. I got it for you on the screen. Beloved, y'all come on, read it with me. Beloved, let us love one another for lovers of God and everyone who loves. Oh, y'all need to read it better than that. We had to start all over. Stop, 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 stop. We got to start all over. Beloved, let us love one another. Read it like you mean it. For love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Are you glad about it? God, I'm going to wait while you clap your hands. God is love. Of all the things that you might say about God, be sure, listen, be sure to say that he is love. Think about it. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that God is grace. Although he is. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that God is mercy. Although he is. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that God is peace. Although he is. But the Bible clearly says that God is what? Love. In other words, God's character is love. God personifies and epitomizes love. Love finds its origin or beginning with God. And at the same time, there's no ending of God's love. Where God was, there was love. Where God is, there is love. And where God will be, there is love. And when we join him in heaven, you guessed it, there will be love. Think about that. I'm going to wait while you clap your hands. You ought to be happy about that. Think about this. There will never be a time when God will stop loving you. Never. I was at Holly Hill yesterday. And uh was a 17-year-old young man, and I went to visit with him, and um, you know, I was telling him, I said, you know, God loves you. Do you know how many people have never really heard just that? God loves you. I told him no need for suicide, no need to commit suicide. God loves you. No need to be angry. And when you get angry, think about it. God loves you. And when you get, feel like you want to be violent, understand, God loves you. We got to tell people God loves them. Because people think God is angry with them. God is not angry with people. God is not a God of wrath and judgment and harshness. God loves people. So I'm telling them that God loves them. And then I said, you know, well, I'm, I'm going to pray for you. Can I pray for you? He said, yeah, sure. You want to pray? So when I first got there, I mean, I don't know if you've been to Holly Hill, but when you go there and meet with people in various wards, they all come together into this big room. And you're sitting down in Little Pockets meeting with people and talking to them. So I'm about to pray for him. this one lady. She was really, really mean. This lady was like nurse ratchet on steroids. I mean, she was like, as soon as I came in, she's like, uh, I said, well, I'm, here, I'm here to see, you know, X." and she's like, wah, 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 he's over there. I said, okay, well, thank you very much. You know, I go over, I sit down and everything. I talk to him. I said, you want to pray? And he says, yes, I want to pray. So she had already kicked everybody out. She's like yelling at people. And I mean, this woman is something else. So she yelling at people like, you know, it's time to go. Everybody get out of here. It's time to go. And all that. And she looks at me, you need to leave. It's time to go. I said, well, I'm a pastor. And, you know, as a pastor, I, you know, I have other visiting hours and I'm a pastor. I have a Bible and real anointing oil. See, I'm a real pastor. And, and she goes, well, then, uh, well, you can stay. You can stay. Man, tell me what to do. <laughs> What's wrong with you? You don't know. You better ask somebody. <laughs> so I stay and I, I'm, I'm about to pray for him. And I said to her, because I just, because she had already made me kind of mad and everything. You know, so don't don't judge me. Pray for me, y'all. Like, oh, the pastor's mad. Oh, so she had made me mad. I said. So I, I, <laughs> I said to her, I said, well, I'm, um, it's just us in the room. She's walking around slamming chairs and stacking the chairs up, and it's just me and him sitting over here. I said, well, I'm getting ready to pray for uh, this guy. I said, hey, you want to pray? Like way across the room. It was so awkward and, and random, random and awkward. I said, hey, you want to pray? Would you like to pray? Well, she looks at me, and she goes, who? Me. Me? You want to pray? Me? Pray? Uh, Oh, yeah, 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 you, we're gonna pray together. You wanna pray? And she looks at me and she goes, well, okay. And and at this point, she didn't have any choice because it's like, look, it's either pray or you're a heathen. You're the worst kind of heathen because you're angry. You're an angry heathen. Yeah, that's what you are, an angry heathen. So... So she, <laughs> so I, I like forced her elbowed her into praying, you know. So she comes over there and she like sit down and she's like, she is praying. I was like, all right, let's pray. Let's, let's take hands. So, you know, she is so, it is so awkward, y'all. It's so awkward. I like, I love awkward moments. So it's so awkward. And so we were praying. I was just like, then I said, you know what? I said it again. I said, I'm going to anoint you with oil because the Bible says if any is sick, then be anointed with oil and the prayer of faith will say the sick, and then I said, I'm going to anoint you with oil. You mind if I anoint you with oil? I said the kid, he goes, Oh, yeah, that would be great. That'd be great. And then I said to her, I said, I'm going to, you want me to anoint you with oil too? I'll anoint you too. And she's looking at me. She goes, well, okay. So, so I anointed him with oil and then I doused her. You know, I'm like, you need, I like, toss the salad. And I'm like, girl, you need it all. Oh. Ooh, you needed every bit of this anointing. Oh, I'm going to dry the bottle on you. <laughs> I loved it. <laughs> so I prayed with an anointing with all everything. And then she going to be nice. Like, afterwards, she was nice and everything. You know, she's like trying to be all nice. And, you know, and I'm like, oh, Nurse Ratchet going nice. That's, that's a book. Yeah. Nurse Ratchet going, she was nice. But I'm telling her and telling him, that God loves you, and Jesus loves you. Come on, clap your hands and say, "Amen." He loves you. He died for you. and that the root of everything that God does and allows is his love. God's love is uncaused and uninfluenced and spontaneous. God's love is eternal. It has no beginning. God's love is sovereign and immutable. The word immutable is just a big word to say unchanging. He won't say, I love you today and in several years change his mind. God's love is holy and God's love is gracious and there is no limit to God's love. Can somebody say amen? And it's an infinite love. It's at a depth that none can fathom, a height that none can scale, a length and a breadth that defies measure. It reaches to the highest mountain and the lowest valley. There's no person beyond the reach of the love of God. God God's love can reach the vilest of vile and the worst of the worst and the sinful of all sinners. I posted it on my Facebook status. Perhaps you saw it. A sinner may go to hell unsaved, but he can't go to hell unloved. Oh, write it down. Write it down. He can go to hell unsaved, but he can't go to hell unloved. Because God loves you and God loves people, even sinful people. One of the most powerful messages you can take to people is that God loves them. God loves all people. All people are important to God. G.K. Chesterton said, all people matter. You matter. I matter. It's the hardest thing in theology to believe. Augustine put it this way. He says, "God's love loves each one of us as if there were only one of us. God loves each. That's profound. God loves each one of us as if there were only one of us. So the design of John 3, 16 is for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Now, listen quick. Listen, God has only one begotten son. Now to a Muslim, this sounds like blasphemy. Because they say it means that God had relations with a woman or an angel. When the Bible says, listen, saints, listen close. When the Bible says that Jesus is the only begotten, only begotten is to distinguish or separate Jesus as the son of God from sons who are made or adopted. For example, angels are called sons of God, Job 1 6. Christians are called sons of God, Romans 8, 14 through 16. Angels are sons of God because they are directly created by God. Christians are sons of God because we are adopted into the family of God. The only begotten son of God is not a son by creation or by adoption. Here's your word for the day, but by begetting, B-E-G-E-T-T-I-N-G, begetting. The word beget or begetting has two definitions. First, are you listening? pertains to being the only one of its kind within a specific relationship. For example, Abraham's only son, only begotten son, Isaac. Abraham had other sons, but Isaac was the only son he had by Sarah. The second pertains to being the only one of its kind or class. Jesus is uniquely and the only son of God. Jesus shares the same divine nature as God. Jesus was God.